Lord, open our hearts to your words this morning. I pray they would uh, change us, and as we leave here today, we'll be faithful witnesses of your gospel. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You know, one thing that mothers are very good at is giving instructions. And when I was growing up, my mom gave me all kinds of uh, instructions. Take a shower, uh, brush my teeth, eat breakfast. She didn't have to remind me about that one. But uh, there was plenty of instructions. And because I lost things all the time, she was always reminding me not to lose things as well. You see, the reason I believe that she was uh, doing this all for me is because she knew that one day I was going to become an adult. And when I was an adult, I was going to have plenty of instructions and plenty of rules to follow, and I needed to at least be able to get like 70% of them, right? So sure enough, I get out of college, I become an adult, and uh, adulthood, as we know, we are bombarded with lots of information, with lots of instructions. I remember getting my first place and getting one of those uh, Scandinavian uh, furniture companies. It wasn't the main one. It was more of a knockoff. And it, you know where all the furniture comes in the box? And uh, I pulled it out, and there was the instructions. And of course, I didn't read the instructions. I'm trying to build it. Then I grabbed the instructions. I can't find the English part. There's like 25 different languages there. I'm pretty sure the people who made it, just to mess with me, even put some languages that didn't even exist in there, just, uh, just for fun, right? But fortunately, I found the pictures, and I was able, you know, the universal language. I built my furniture. I think I used a hammer when I wasn't supposed to, but it somewhat came together. Recently, um, I bought a dishwasher. Everything was good until about day 27 of the day 30 uh, before the warranty ran out, and it stopped working. There was a light blinking, and rather than get the user manual, once again, I just started pushing tons of buttons and trying to figure it out. I got the shot back out. I was sucking the water that was inside of it. And I called up a couple friends of mine. <laughs> Looks like we're having some mic. Should I turn off my mic? Or... There we go. Okay. Perfect. So I turned off my mic. And uh, I turned off my mic. Okay, let me get back. <laughs> So I started pushing a bunch of buttons, as I was saying. It wasn't working. And finally, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone, and he said, well, you looked at the troubleshooting. You know what the problem is. Go watch some videos on YouTube. Of course, I'm wanting him to come over, but nobody wants to come over because of the COVID. And I ended up finding the right video. I play it, and I said, you know what? I can do this. Pulled the dishwasher out, followed all the instructions, turned it back on, and sure enough, it started working. Victory. It finally worked. But all those videos online, I finally found the right one. But let's be honest. In life, we are bombarded with information. And so often, it's hard to find the right information. It's hard to know how to make the right decisions. And especially when it comes to the bigger things. I'm not just talking about fixing an appliance or building some furniture, but our problems with our finances, our careers, our relationships or how to navigate a worldwide pam pandemic as we're doing now. How do you find the right information? You know, in the information age that we're in right now, there's a lot of blessings in it. You can go online at the tip of your fingers. You can find anything you need. 
as it worked out with my dishwasher. But even with that, sometimes that can be overwhelming. There's so much out there. Some of the information could be inaccurate and even destructive. And as I said before, even if you find all the uh, right advice and the information, it can almost paralyze us because it's hard to get going with all the information that we received. So how do we navigate our way through life, especially with these bigger things that uh, come across with us, those big things? How do we get from point A to point B? Where can we find solid footing in life? Where can we find a reliable source for guidance in a world that is not always stable? Now, does the Bible have anything to say to us? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Some of you out there may say, you know what, what is a book that was written thousands of years ago? Does it really have anything to say to me? Isn't there something better that's been written recently? Can't we Google and find something else that can maybe help us? Well, sure, there's a lot of information out there. But here's the good news. Yes, God's word still speaks to us today. God's word is more relevant now or as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago and thousands before that with the Old Testament as it is now. And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit, all the writers who wrote this book, he filled them with this Holy Spirit so that they could put the words of God on paper. And this could be a guidebook, much like my dishwasher guidebook for us, as we try to navigate our way through life. So the good news for all of us today is not only the, uh, the Bible reliable, but we're going to find out that we do have a guide in Jesus Christ. And this guide is somebody that we can not only trust with our lives, but we can follow on a daily basis. And when we find ourselves broken or struggling, it has words for us then. And when we need that daily maintenance on how do we just keep going and stay strong, we find it in the, God's word as well. So this morning we're going to look at our gospel reading in Peter's epistle. And we're going to find these words that are going to help us and guide us today and through this week. So first of all, as we look at our gospel reading in John, there was a lot going on there. See, right before this, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and his disciples did not want to go to try to help Lazarus because they knew if they went close to Jerusalem, Jesus was a wanted man there, and it could be the beginning of the end for Jesus. But remember, Jesus said, no greater love is this that a man lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus went, healed Lazarus, raised him from the dead, and that was the beginning of the end, or so people thought, for Jesus because he was a marked man. And even though it, there was uh, Palm Sunday a little bit later when all of a sudden everybody's celebrating him, calling king of the Jews, the uh, authorities didn't like that, the Pharisees didn't like that, and now things were starting to go really bad. And during Holy Week, he started sharing actions and words with his disciples because he knew he was going away. And when you know you're about to die or leave your friends, you want to say very important things. So before he gives the words in the reading today, he washed his disciples' feet, which was unheard of for a rabbi. Rabbis would never do that kind of work. But he wanted to demonstrate them the kind of ministry they were going to lead, where they were going to serve people, where they were going to love people. This was going to be the hallmark of Jesus' followers, this kind of love this kind of service to others. 
And then he gets into uh, some information for them. Remember, the disciples are stressed. They know that it's, Jesus is a wanted man. They're associated with them. Their lives may be on the line too. So Jesus starts out with this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what have I told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, and you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This sounds all beautiful, but Thomas, you got to love Thomas, speaks up and says, "Uh, Lord, we have no idea what you're talking about. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? What are you talking about? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Philip speaks up. He said, okay, uh, still not really sure what you're meaning here. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus looks at Philip and he said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, how can you, uh, has seen me? How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? In other words, Jesus is saying, look at all my miracles, my work. The word became flesh and dwelled among you. I am God. I am God in flesh. Not only am I the way, the truth, and the life, but I have authority with those words. I'm not just throwing it out there. I'm a guide that you can trust. So the first off, we have a God who made himself visible to us. Not only visible, he walked among people in Jesus Christ. But just knowing that is not enough. We need to uh, trust in this God. Just like anything, the starting place is to say, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need a guide. I need something to help me to figure out how to navigate my way through life. But knowing is not enough. Jesus' half-brother James wrote, you believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's got to be more than knowing. And for the disciples, the knowing to believing came after the resurrection. Thomas, once again, who was doubting that Jesus rose from the dead, and people call him Doubting Thomas, but I think he was every single one of us. If our friends came and said our dead friend was back to life, I really don't think we'd believe them until we saw it ourselves. So Thomas uh, uh, sees Jesus, and Jesus says, put your finger here and see my fans, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas Thomas answered him, and listen to these words, my Lord and my God. In other words, I believe. I I not only know your words and understand them now, I believe you are the real deal. You have the authority. So as the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit after Jesus' resurrection, they, they not only knew that Jesus was God, they followed this guide. They followed him as they remembered how he washed people's feet, how he healed people, how he cared about people, how he shared the good news, how he told people that they were sinners in need of a savior. Their lives were forever changed. They were filled with power. 
And when they look back at Jesus' words towards the end of his life before his crucifixion and resurrection, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They embodied that. They lived it out. Jesus is the way. You see, they knew they were blessed when they were following Jesus. And it wasn't an easy way. A matter of fact, that word blessed that we hear about so much in, the, uh, in Scripture, blessed means to be on the right path. As I've said before, it doesn't mean that the tree didn't fall on your house in the hurricane, so you're blessed and your neighbor is cursed. No, it means that you're on the right path with all these many paths and many choices out there. That's how we live the blessed life. Regardless of our circumstances, we know that we are following Christ. And then we understand him to be the truth. Jesus reminded before he sent the Holy Spirit, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This gift of the Holy Spirit was not just kind of some nebulous thing that was out there. He filled them with his power, with his strength, with his love. So they were able to put his words into practice to live this out. They thought about his words where it says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Full life, real life. Being on the right path all came from following Jesus. And as they came to trust this guide, they understood that biblical faith was never passive. It was never meant just to be a cerebral knowledge where they thought back and contemplated these great philosophical ideas about Jesus being the way, truth, and life. I'm sure they remember these other words where Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel. You say, I want a new Ferrari and a jet plane in Jesus' name. No, this was a reminder that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. You start thinking like Christ. Jesus' last words to them were not how to have a prosperity gospel and make a bunch of money. It was washing people's feet. It was loving others the way he loved people, laying down your life for your friends. So that's the kind of things they were supposed to ask in his name, not whatever fills my uh, needs, my selfish needs. That's what it was not about. It was not a lucky rabbit's foot to say in Jesus' name and get anything you want. It was being in Christ and living that out daily in your lives. So you have this guide. You read it. You begin to follow it. But there's one other thing that a a good guide does for my dishwasher. It has a troubleshooting section. When things go wrong, you know what's going wrong. And it also has the the maintenance thing, so you know how to keep the the appliance running or whatever it is you bought in good shape. Well, fortunately, Scripture does that as well. Especially as Paul writes all these letters and some of the other uh, followers of Jesus wrote these letters to these early churches. He reminded them that brokenness is very close to God's heart. He reminded them of daily things they need to be about so they stay on the right path and they, and they follow the truth that Jesus taught and they live into the life that he's called each of us to. So Peter reminds us in our epistle reading that was read earlier to rid ourselves of certain things, things that clog and corrupt our lives. 
He said, rid rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. These have no place for God's people. You know, these are one of many uh, instructions that we find in these letters. But it wasn't meant to burden people with, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Like, oh my gosh, too many instructions, information overload. No, it was meant to bring life to people so they wouldn't destroy their horizontal relationships and their relationship with God would stay intact. And then, uh, I love in, in Peter's letter, he doesn't leave it at that. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you never arrive as a Christian. You don't say, I've been following Jesus for 27 years. I've arrived. There's a big halo on your head. No, this spiritual nourishment is for every day. The more you know Christ, the more humble you become because you realize you can't do it on your own. A really strong Christian, sometimes I hear people say, oh, that guy's a really strong Christian, or that woman, she's a really strong Christian. And I know what they mean, but a really strong Christian is not what the world thinks of as strength. A really strong Christian is a really humble Christian, a Christian that recognizes their need for God daily, that knows they need God's word in their life daily, that know they need fellowship They need other believers to help them to stay on the right path, to recognize the truth of God, to stay in this life that God has called us all to to do on a regular, daily basis. And then the troubleshooting part. We do have brokenness. Some of the false gospels out there will say, you do everything right, God's going to bless you, you're going to have a new car, a new house, your marriage is going to be great, your kids are never going to misbehave. Um, All your friends are going to never do anything bad to you, and you're going to live forever. You know, we all recognize there is trouble. There is sickness on this side of heaven. That's why Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have I told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, and you also may be where I am. For these early believers, they never had a concept of what eternal life meant. I mean, it was kind of vague and sort of nebulous in the Jewish faith of what heaven might be like. Jesus makes it very personal, that eternal life is real. But on this side of heaven, we're not just supposed to sit back and say, gosh, it's so terrible here, I can't wait till I die to be with Jesus. No, he's got work for us to do. And he said, we're blessed. We're on the right path when we're poor in spirit. We're blessed when we mourn because we're going to be comforted. We're blessed when we're meek because we'll inherit the earth. In other words, God's going to bless us. We're going to sense his presence even more and more as we're broken. God doesn't push us away when we're broken and try to find some more whole, complete people. He uses our brokenness to do beautiful things. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit, the psalmist says. The prophet Isaiah says, Do not fear. Even in your brokenness, God will give you strength and hold you up where you can't hold yourself. Your faith is secure in Christ. The Apostle Paul says, For I am neither, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers can separate us from the love of God. 
including a pandemic, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's how secure it is. So these daily habits of getting rid of things, filling ourselves with this nourishment that comes from God's word and from prayer and fellowship, and reminding us that God is close to the brokenhearted, the broken in spirit. He builds us back up. Faith in him is secure. Faith in ourselves is not. So what can you and I do with this message? Step one, know your God. He's reliable. It's so easy for believers, and especially even seasoned believers, to kind of put God on a shelf and only pull him out when there's a problem, when that warning light is going on, right? Step two is to follow that guide daily. Therefore, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation, and that's every day. You're a new creation. We learn about God's grace. A fully blessed life. Remember, it's not only being in the right path, right path but it's, being, it's a fully integrated life with our work, our relationships, our finances. All of those are in Christ. We don't separate those. So we follow our guide. We anchor our life in Christ. And step three, that daily maintenance and troubleshooting, craving the pure spiritual milk, going going to God with our brokenness. And reminder, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in life. So this isn't, we're not on our own trying to do this. God is with us, Emmanuel, God is with us to teach us and to remind us of what we're supposed to be about, giving us the power to do that. A friend of mine, in the beginning of all this online services, I was laughing because all of us have kind of learned how to be sort of YouTube stars now, right? And uh, with a lot of bloopers, especially on those Wednesday ones when I'm recording, let me tell you. But uh, um, on his first one, he used a political quote to kind of remind his church that during this time where we're isolated from others, Never let a good crisis go to waste, he said in the beginning of his sermon. So in other words, what's going on right now? This should help us to be more of the church, more relying our guide, help us to follow our guide more closely, look to him for the troubleshooting on how we navigate in this such uncertain world right now. It reminds us that we need to be a humble church, We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And with that being said, as Peter reminds us on our behavior and our actions with others, and I know it may sound like a cliche, but we need to live out corporately as a church. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus post? What would Jesus say to others? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to put that in practice corporately. That's our best witness right now. We've had to learn how to be a body outside of these walls. And when we come back in these walls altogether, we need to remember this is not our security. Our security is our relationship with Christ individually, together, to live it out in the world. It's a reminder for us to keep on doing that more and more in this uncertain world. We can't play church anymore. We need to be the church. James reminds us that religion that is pure is looking after widows and orphans and not being corrupted by this world. It was more than just widows and orphans. There's a lot of people 
and many of you and myself and others that have struggled during this time. We have a great job to be the church right now. We need to go back to our user manual, dust it off. We need to open it up, read it. We need to be reminded there's daily practices and we need to put in our lives. There's things we need to take out of our lives. We don't need to shy away. We need to bring all our hurts and troubles to each other, to the Lord. We need to be the church. I wanted to end um, our time today with a psalm. Psalm 1. Because I think this is a reminder when we do know the guide and follow the guide, what our lives look like and what our church can look like. It says here, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chafe that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He will bless us and put us on the right path when we follow him. Let's do that together and encourage each other to do that especially at a time like this. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your great love for us and your love for this world, that you sent your son to die for us so that we could all have this hope of eternal life and hope for a life that even now in the brokenness and uncertainty that we can have security, we can have joy during our struggles. Help us to not only know you, but to be the church that you intended to be, and more and more today and in the future. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.